It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Can't get enough of the fan in the morning? Shown up. Because this is nothing like that. Working. Al and Jerry are here with stories they'd never get to cover on the morning show. Very sexy robot. Hey, look at that pig. Shenanigans. Naked yoga. My mother had a bad experience with these ghosts. Let's hump the fence. It's Al and Jerry's post-game podcast. All right, podcast time. Final week of summer. I know summer technically goes into the late September, but it's the end of summer, let's be honest. And uh, Al is off. He is, as I would think right now, probably on his little terrace staring uh, at binoculars at some girl in a chikini. So instead, I get to look at the handsome man himself, Eddie Scuzzeri. What's up? Hello, podcast people. So I got a couple things for you this morning, Edward. Um, We'll start with the end of summer stuff before I get into my Verizon issue uh, that I had this week, which it's nice when thoughts that you had are cemented. And really stamped for approval. But let's get to the point. So end of summer, as I said. Now, we are, I cannot believe we're doing this, but it's August 28th. We're closing the pool today, which to me is very early. It is. Why not wait till so after? Here, so here's why. So we opened it, I want to say the week before Memorial Day weekend. And it was, you know, it was relatively warm. But no one went in it. But it's also easy to keep the pool clean when it's not 90 degrees because nothing really right. grows. So it's a piece of cake. So... Everything went well with the pool, aside from the fact that I have um, a liner on the bottom of the pool that I don't think it was in, well, clearly wasn't installed right because it kind of crinkled up a little bit in one spot. And I guess over the years, when you put the filter on, it sucks sand up through the liner because it's clearly cracked. So anytime I run the filter, after I run the filter for four hours, I then have to vacuum the pool because there's sand all over the bottom of the pool. Oh. So it is a gigantic pain in the ass. And we were planning on redoing the liner this summer, except that our central air went out uh, in June, and I had to spend $10,000 on that. And then we have this groundhog problem. We were going to do the liner now. I figured it would be perfect for you know next year. But then we just spent $3,500 getting wire fencing barricades all over the house and the sheds. The joys, that's of, uh, joys of homeownership. Let me tell you, homeownership sucks. Mm-hmm. Anybody that thinks differently is an idiot. Um, financially, that is. I love the house, but it is, I mean, it is draining financially. Of course. And Al has it, maybe the best of both worlds. He owns, but yet he's part of a... An association. Yes. I agree. Anyhow, so, so anyway, we decided, you know, the summer was fine. The boys used it a little bit. We were in it a little bit, but not, not a lot. And I've noticed with the temperatures falling a little bit at night now and the rain, the pool went from nice and warm to it's cold. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them for not wanting to go in because I don't want to go in. It's too cold. It's not fun. So I said to Joseph, because he'd be the only one that would go in at this point. I'm like, are we done with the pool? Or, you know, I'm like, what do you think? And he goes, yeah, I'm good. I'm like, you know, close it. No reason to keep dumping chemicals in it. Sure. So we're close. So it made me think, growing up, did you have a pool or no? I did. Did you, when you were a kid, your parents didn't heat the pool, I imagine. No, no. Okay. I had an above ground pool too growing up. No heater. And it used to drive my parents nuts. Now, we used it, but not every day. Were you a big pool guy? Yeah. When I was a kid, we were in the pool in the summer almost every day. You were? Yeah. Yeah, we used it a lot. And, you know, the neighborhood kids, even though there was others with pools, we would go to their pool. They would come to our pool. It was a, it was a thing, for sure. I would say from the age, that, as early as I can remember, till I was in high school. We used it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we used, like, I don't want to sit there and say growing up we didn't. We did. And my parents had um, probably twice a summer big parties uh, with families that would come over. And I remember those would go late into the night on Saturdays. And we'd be in the pool till 10, 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And we did use it. But there were days also where we'd be in the house. It'd be 85 degrees out. My dad would be like, go in the pool. I'm like, I don't want to go in the pool. <laughs> and so... We used it, but maybe not as much as you did. And I always remember, even as a kid, saying, boy, if the pool was just a little warmer, because growing up, our pool was in the shade in the afternoon, 
and it would be cold. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to go in. I never wanted the whole, I got to get used to it. So I swore to myself, it's funny. When we got married, I remember telling Kim, if we ever have kids, and specifically boys, because talking about batting cage, I guess girls could play softball because uh, it would have would have worked too. I remember saying, there's two things I want when we have kids. I want a batting cage for them in the backyard, and I want a heated pool. Well, I did the batting cage. I even did a basketball area in the back. The heated pool I haven't done yet, and I'm I'm seriously contemplating it because I feel like we would use the pool a lot more. Now, how, like, how does that even work? I mean, that's a lot. That's thousands of gallons of water. Yeah, they have these gas heaters, propane uh-huh. heaters. Oh, propane. Yeah. So it's supposed to be relatively electric ones cost a lot because uh-huh. they suck a lot of amps. Sure. But I've been told that the gas heaters are relatively affordable. And that would be a larger tank than you would have for a gas Well, it's gas not a tank. Drill? No, you go, it's from the it's from the gas line. Oh, so methane or okay, whatever. Okay, is that what it is? Yeah. Whatever. Either way, they take it right from the gas line. You got mm-hmm. The problem is it's a big to-do because you need the gas. You got to come yeah. out and do it. It's not like something I can hook up. No. Um, but I actually figure we would use it a lot more. But so yeah, August twenty eighth, we'll be closing the pool. What about those things that solar I, heaters? Yeah, or just like a cover. The solar can, covers. Yeah. The problem with those is it. From what I've been told, they heat the first six inches of the surface of the water, mm-hmm. which makes sense. But then the bottom is still cold. Okay. So when you're getting in, oh, this is oh, this ain't so good. So I and and. When you have a so our pool is thirty five feet long, I believe. So it's a big oval pool, thirty five by like twenty, which is a pain in the ass. How are you rolling that thing up? Yeah, you know you're not just pulling. I don't think you're just pulling it and taking it off. Then it's wet. Then it gets dirty in the dirt. I think you yeah. need to actually have this contraption to roll it up. It's too pain much. In the ass. It's too much. The pool is a pain in the ass. Yes, to be quite honest, I remember in our first house. Kim and I, uh, we lived in a townhouse for three years, and then we bought a house down uh, in Brick, about two miles from Point Pleasant. And it had an above-ground pool, and uh, Joseph, Jesus, Matthew was a newborn. Maybe he was a year old. I don't remember. But he was a newborn. Oh, we had, that's right, we had Matthew when we moved there, so he was a newborn. And I remember asking her, can we just knock this down and have a nice, wide-open, big backyard? We had a nice deck off uh, off the kitchen. And she was all for it. And so I, and it wasn't a big round pool. So I remember I went to U-Haul mm-hmm. and I got one of those giant vans and I basically destroyed, ripped down the pool, rolled the aluminum and it was the, the I guess it's aluminum, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I in, put it in, in parts and took it to the dump and got rid of it. And it was the greatest thing. It was a nice wide open backyard, no headache with the pool. We got a blow up pool for him when he was a year old. So much easier. And how deep? Was it sunk in? That one wasn't. Um, maybe a few inches. That was like so a just not just not even a lot of topsoil. No, no, nothing. It, it wasn't bad at all. I remember I got probably like ten bags of uh, of dirt at Lowe's or Home Depot. Actually, it was, you know, and it just laid that out, raked it out, and I would say grass was growing by the time we moved. Yeah, grass was finally starting to grow in it. It was such a great feeling of just opening up the backyard and not being, not having to deal with that headache. Yeah, we used the pool so much, or at least I did. My older sisters probably less as they got older. Like I would get the waterlogged fingers, my lips would turn blue. Really? Yeah, because we and we were in there like as soon as you opened until it closed, and uh, yeah, we used to break for lunch, and then I remember it was a pain in the ass because m- mom wouldn't let us go back in until whatever, whatever that rule is. You're supposed to wait an hour after you after eat. you eat. Yeah, which I never understood, but I don't either. But they tell you, especially at our age. Don't ever eat and go out and shovel snow. Uh, yeah. Well, that, yeah. That. Well, why you, is that? I, I I guess it's with the heart. And, I mean, for just for me, I know, like, I got to be careful shoveling. So I'm really go go slow. No, for sure. Yeah. I try not to shovel anymore. Not that we've had a lot of snow, but I have the big snowblower now. Yeah, I don't have a snowblower. But, uh, yeah, and I don't remember. I wrecked my shoulder one time. That one blizzard when this was way back. It was right around either right around New Year's. And you all stayed in uh, the city, but I didn't. And I drove in that morning. That was a disaster. And I barely got here in time for the show. I'm not ready for winter. Yeah. I know you like the cold weather. I do. I am not ready for winter. I'm not. You know what I'm not ready for? The dreary days. The very dark, gray, cloudy, depressing looking. 
Now, when it's like yesterday, yesterday was bright and sunny. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know, it puts everybody in a good mood. I don't, For sure, yeah. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. I have, how you live in Seattle, I don't understand. And I know, like when I was in Iceland, I we were talking to one of the local guides. And in the winter, a lot of people take antidepressants because it's uh, dark. Like, they get four hours, three hours, four hours of oh. sunlight a day. Could you imagine? It's yeah, that's, noon and that's, it's dark. Uh, that's extreme. Yeah, well, so... But on the on the flip side, you can get the twenty hours of daylight which, in the summer, which they had when we were there, which is also extreme. It was like three hours of dark at night. What type of place do you stay in a hotel or like a house? We stayed in hotels uh, in Reykjavik. It was like what you would consider a, a proper hotel. The others were basically motels. Okay, very nice, but uh, basically motels. Really? Mm-hmm. So when you're in Reykjavik, that's the big city. Yes, that's the capital. Hilton's, Marriott's, are all, all they there, or are they? Uh, I think they were. They might have been there. We stayed at a, a you know, a Icelandic uh, hotel. Okay. Uh, but I, I, assuming they had Hilton's and Marriott's, I didn't really seek them out. But Understood. Not, not sure. Now, a lot of you guys like to say, uh, what do they call me? Uh, off-brand Jerry? Yes, right. off-brand okay. Jerry. So I explained to Al. Al asked me one time why I have T-Mobile and not Verizon Wireless. And I said, well, it's not because of the the, the service that they provide. Mm-hmm. The services, I know that Verizon Wireless is the best. Now, I know Verizon Wireless has since bought T-Mobile, so I know it's really the same company. But Have they really? Yeah. Well, Verizon, I, didn't know that. I believe Verizon owns um, T-Mobile. Um, I, check that, but I'm almost certain. I know of it. T-Mobile bought Sprint. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Verizon owns T-Mobile. Maybe not. Okay. I could be wrong. So we were we were Verizon Wireless customers for years, mm-hmm. always were, until I went into the store uh, a few miles from my house, and I was we were going in. Kim and I were going in for upgrades, and I remember asking the guy after you had to wait around for a half hour, take a number, they put you on the thing, and they call you out. Guy comes over, and all they wanted to do was basically get us in, get us out because they wanted to get on to the next guy. Mm-hmm. And I understand time is money and all that, but I had questions like I didn't understand, you know. The what's the right word? I didn't understand why sometimes the phone wouldn't work. Um, how come it works better with uh, Wi-Fi in certain places where you can turn it off and it works better with data? And I was just trying to get a feeling for um, the area we're in, what type of phone works best. And this guy talked down to me like I was an eight-year-old, mm. and Kim was next to me, and you could see even her face was like, "Wow!" To where I asked for his name. And I said, I'd like to see your manager. And I went over and I canceled everything on the spot. And the matter how come? I said, because I won't work with him. He was as rude as I've ever seen. And he was an ass. There's no other way to put it. So they tried. for They were very, they, the manager was fine. Five minutes, what can I do? Nothing. Like, there's nothing you're going to do that's going to have me keep my service. I'm going to T-Mobile down the block. I'm finished. And so that's what we did. We canceled the phones, went right to T-Mobile, got phones. We've been T-Mobile customers ever since. And everything's been fine. So we have Verizon Fios. Now, that's not wireless, and every time they always call, hey, can we get you on the wireless? Nope, I will not do Verizon Wireless because the customer service one time was hideous, not doing it. Okay. So I decide we've had issues. The Internet's phenomenal. The Fios Internet is great. So let's get that out there. Love Verizon Fios Internet. Awesome. We had the TV. So over the last couple months, it's been freezing an awful lot. Like, and I don't know why. Like, and it and then it jumps and skips and so call up. They run through all these tests. You should be good to go. Okay, it's good for twenty four hours. It's back the next day. And now Kim's annoyed. She can't even watch a show. Things don't load. So I call. I'm like, listen, I found Directv Stream. It's got every channel we need. I called them up. I said, I love your internet service. You got to cancel the FiOS on me. It's just and I explained the problem. And the woman couldn't have been nicer. Tried to keep me, but whatever. Okay. She goes, what I need you to do, though, is you need to return the box tops. Like, yeah, no problem. I'm going to send you an email with your instructions. You can return them here or you can bring them to UPS. No problem. So I get the email. It says, bring the box tops, power cords, and I thought remotes. So I put everything in a box. I got six box tops. I got six remotes. I got six power cords. I bring them to the Verizon store. Again, I got to wait five minutes. No problem. Guy comes over. What can I help you with? I'm returning equipment. He's not interested. I mean, he's got to help me, but Mm -hmm. he's not going to make a sale. So I said, I got the box tops. I got the remotes. And he stops me. He goes, nah, we don't take remotes. 
I'm like, well, the email said, he goes, well, get the email. We don't take remotes. I'm like, oh, okay. So he walks away. He gave my name, walks away. Now I go and I get the email. He was right. It says box tops and please make sure to include your, uh, your power cords. All right. So I take all the remotes out, put them in a bag, and I've got the box tops and the power cords. So he takes the box tops out and he leaves the power cords. I'm like, oh, here, thank you for your help. Here are your power cords. He goes, no, don't want them. That's on you. I said, no. I said, the email says power cords. Don't know where you're getting that email from. We don't take them. So please take them home. I'm like, now I'm annoyed because he's rude to me. And I would have taken them. I don't care. I'll take them and throw them out, whatever. But he's an ass. So he goes, um, he goes, I don't know where you're getting these emails from. We don't take power cords, so please take them with you. I'm like, sir, I don't want them. I said, and your company wants them. He goes, I don't want them, so you can take them. I can't recycle them here. I've got nowhere to put them. Please take them. I'm like, sir, what am I missing? I said, you told me to get the email to see what they wanted. And I, here's the email, box tops, and please include power cords. He goes, don't know where that's from. I'm begging you to take these power cords out of the store. No. Now now it's a game. I'm like, no, I, I'm not taking these. I said, because what's going to happen is I take them and then I get charged for not returning them. He goes, yeah. He goes, if you don't take them, I'm charging you. I said, for returning the equipment that Verizon is asking me to return. What a dick. Big time. So at this point, I had enough. I said, sir, I'm leaving, and I'm not leaving with these. And I grab my box of remotes, and I'm walking out, and I say, and by the way, this is why I don't use Verizon. Your customer service is trash. That's all. And as I'm walking out, the employees are like, bye, get out. So I'm like, it took everything in my power not to turn around and start screaming at them because mm. I know someone's got a phone. I was so angry, so they nothing they can do with them. Get in my car, start driving out. He's throwing them in the, in the dumpster. Was it so hard to do? No. So, uh, dude, I was so mad on for like that. All I wanted to do was return the equipment that they requested. And that's what I end up with. Mm. And we were Verizon customers forever. And we changed to T-Mobile. But it was more of a money thing. Okay. Because if you have children and everybody's yeah, on yeah, your yeah. plan, if you have multiple phone or, you know, four phones. Yeah. It's great. I agree. Pricing. Yeah. But if you're just marrying an I, it wasn't great pricing. Really? Yeah. It was It was not great. So we went to T-Mobile, wonderful customer service. Yeah. Uh, even though it was a young guy, he kind of, we we're older, he explained everything, it was fine. And because we're both now 55 and over, mm -hmm. we got the, the geezer plan. Isn't that weird? I don't care. It was <laughs> no, I know. fantastic, much cheaper, and Good we have you. much better service, unlimited this yeah. and that, and we get, like, other discounts that I don't even remember what the hell they all are. So very happy with T-Mobile. Yeah, T-Mobile's great to the point where if if I didn't have the cowboy job where I have I need the wired internet, so Fios, I have the, the wireless mm -hmm. all over, but they also wired it in for me um, for my Comrex. If it wasn't for that, I would actually try the T-Mobile all-home internet, mm -hmm. too, and the TV. Like, why not? Uh, but I, the, the Verizon uh, internet has been outstanding, so there's no reason and to I, around I with can't it. get – I don't think I can get Verizon internet. I think it's – You don't have Fios near you? No, they blocked Optimum or Cablevision at the time, blocked it. You know, Got it. Political, blah, blah, blah. So we still have a uh, Optimum monopoly okay. in our area yeah. but the new mayor promised that that was one of that was one of his uh platforms mm. to get rid of the monopoly so but that hasn't happened yet what about xfinity uh i don't is that all wireless like um, um well that's comcast so i don't know that that would be no all wireless. that's not i can't so you don't have that either uh-uh it's optimum that's my choice so your only choice to watch tv would be over the air mm -hmm. with the with the antennas which are really good now. satellite satellite or optimum yeah. That's it. Uh-huh. How about that? I guess I could I use those days were over. the optimum internet service and then stream. get a streaming service. Yeah. I will tell you, the DirecTV stream is outstanding. Mm -hmm. I, You know, because for years, Alan and I would talk about, you know, whether it was Hulu Live or whether it was YouTube TV or I'm trying to think what the other services are. DirecTV stream. One would have 
MSG, but not SNY. One would have SNY and yes, not MSG. Mm-hmm. And for me, I have to have them. Of course, yeah. And then you would have ones that would have those, but would have NFL Network or... Always missing something. Yes. Direct TV stream, everything. Absolutely everything. And it's literally, I think it's only eighty nine ninety nine a month, and you can watch up to 20 on 20 devices at once. Wow. So that also comes into handy because in our house we've got, we have six TVs and Matthew's streaming. Like, it's no issue whatsoever. And it has a DVR that comes with it? Yeah, I don't, I never use that. But, yes, there is DVR that's included too, um, a cloud DVR if you want to record stuff. Um, but it made sense. So between, I went from, with Verizon Fios, I went from, with all the cable and the box rentals and, and the internet, I went from 290 a month. Mm-hmm. Now ninety a month for the direct TV stream. The internet is ninety as well, so I'm at I'm like one eighty now. That's great. So I saved one hundred and ten dollars a month. Yeah, and it's and it's good. It's better, to be quite honest. I'll have to check that out. Direct TV stream. Direct Direct TV stream. Yes. And they have uh, FS1. Yeah. And they have all the ESPNs. Everything. Everything. Yeah. I don't know if they have all nine ESPNs, but they've got at least three of them. Mm -hmm. That I know, and they've got. Uh, CBS Sports Network, Big Ten Network, so yeah, mm-hmm. so it's pretty. It really is pretty good, and those antennas are really good too. I know people laugh, but as long as you're near a window where you can put the little black thing under a shade, mm-hmm. they work great. Now, what, Free what, TV. what is? Oh, what's that for though? For the local? I use that. Well, I don't. No, I mean Directv Stream gives you those. Okay, but I'm saying for my TV outside. Before I had Directv Stream, I would use an antenna. Okay, and it was it was great. Yeah, and even in the bedroom before, because the, I was so fed up with the FiOS TV portion of it that my bedroom TV never worked. It was rare, so I put one of those antennas on that too. Yeah, it's still there. On, it's still there and still working. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. Well, this was good. All right. So you're with me tomorrow too, uh, and Wednesday. Oh, and Wednesday. So yes. it's just Thursday, Friday, you're abandoned. Correct. Me. All right. Oh, yes. well, we'll try and do it again tomorrow. All right. Uh, all right, we got the warm-up show with uh, Flegelman and Lepresti next. Low. You can say that. And then tomorrow, by the way, it'll be Peter Schwartz and Mike Flegelman. Yes. And then uh, there'll be a segment when Flegelman is recording uh, Boomer's Minutes. So we might have a little bit of solo Peter for a while. Well, there was a caller on Friday when he was in with me and G. Oh, I was there. That you heard it. That wants more Peter. So you're going to get more Peter. Whoever you are, if you're listening to this, tune in tomorrow from about 525 uh, to 535. There you go. be a lot of Peter. Ten minutes of solo Schwartz. Because he's got his sports, Boomer has his sports minutes and five Ford reads. To oh, boy. Tomorrow, so. uh, it's going to be a big one. Yeah. going to be a big one. All right, so you do the see you thing, and we'll see you tomorrow. See ya! What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 13 days until the Giants kick off the season against the Cowboys. The home of New York Giants football. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Good morning, campers. Alan Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't suck. Oh, it's definitely not going to suck today. What's up? Happy Monday morning. You got Lepresti here. You got Flegelman across the way. He and I are going to book in the week for you here on the warm-up show. Fleegs will be in all week long, and he'll get the, uh, you just heard from Peter Schwartz there at the top of the hour update. 
He'll be along for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I will slide back in on Friday. So a little bookend situation with Flegelman here for the week leading into Labor Day. Geo's off. Jerry's here. Boomer's here for a couple of days. You get Beningo later in the week. So this is really that final week of all the moving parts. And as I like to call, next Tuesday after Labor Day, Radio New Year. Well, happy almost Radio New Year to you, CeeLo. Yeah, same and this to you. Is, this is a fun one for us, not with the baseball team. That part's been the downside, but we are now, for weeks. we're yeah. anticipating, like you hear that uh, liner right before the show starts, 13 days till Giants-Cowboys, 14 days till Jets-Bills. We are as amped up for football as we have been in this town for a long, long time. Definitely since I've worked here, because I started in 2012 as an intern, then 2013. It's wow. been a rough slog for the football teams <laughs> in that time span. worked here. Wow, that is... I started you, right after the Giants won the last Super Bowl. That is a sobering statement you just made, but not inaccurate. I didn't. I not thought of it that way. Over a decade of just sludge, pretty much, for the two franchises. Well, and you remember it very well because at the time you were covering those wonderful New York oh, Jets teams. No question. No question. 2012, I was uh, 2011 and 2012. I kind of split the baby, as Dog likes to say, uh, with uh, Schwartz. So I spent some time out there, got to be around the Tebow Jets, and you had the Plaxico Burris, Ladanian Tomlinson toxicity, which didn't exactly go well. And then, yes, full-time on the beat starting in 13, Geno Smith's rookie year. I was along the way for the uh, broken jaw with Geno and IK. What else? Uh, Mike, The Michael Vick era, if you can even call it that. I mean, there was some bad stuff. Some bad GMs, some bad head coaches. <laughs> a lot of bad is the bottom line. That's, yeah, that's calling, calling all there. those guys bad would have been a significant upgrade. Right. The bust of D. Milner. I think it's all coming back to me here. It's like PTSD. You know? Yeah, well, sorry, sorry to give you those flashbacks. No, no, that's okay. I mean, you lived through it in a much worse way than I did, but it's just... Uh, the things come back to you, you know, like going to jet camp with uh, Boomer and Geo a couple weeks ago, get a little flashbacks there in the media workroom, and many hours were spent there. That had the to be such a different experience for you because the last time you were there, the team was, you know, as down in the dumps oh, as it could be God. to then the optimism that I'm sure they felt that when you guys were there two weeks ago, it had to be like a complete 180. It was, and it was also different to, to uh, arrive and be the first human that was in the the area like i mean the the guys had arrived and set up the the tv set for boomer and geo to come on a little bit later but when i walked in there it was i don't know quarter to four and i was like it was like the the gif of travolta right from oh uh, he's looking around looking around where is everybody that was me pretty much did you go into the media room and try to visit your old cubicle see who they gave that to? i i mean we were we had to go inside because of the rain so we were right there we're basically one wall away and i did not get a cubicle i just got to sit at a desk sort of out in the common area i didn't make the cut for the cubicles the radio guys didn't get one other than uh, larry hardesty because he worked for the flagship station of the jets and that's how that worked yeah well, then, good no riddance, good riddance to those Jets teams of the 2013, 14, That's 15, right. and on for so many reasons, including for their treatment of Chris Lopresti. Oh, yeah. I took it very personally. And when I would have to uh, record my raps, I'd have to walk outside, out into the bushes, away from everybody, so I didn't disrupt the riders. So, you know, if the weather was poor. It was you know, thinking back, I remember rain. that because cutting tape at the time, I remember sometimes getting the phone call from you in the newsroom. Hey, you know, let me know how this sounds. Yeah, I had to oh, yeah. do this by the... I, I remember that now with the weather. Yep. Or if the weather was bad, I had to come inside and find a spot where I couldn't be too loud and also not have an echo, and it was a whole situation. Right, raise these know? levels for me. I had to kind of whisper into, oh, the, yeah. into the mic. Yeah, these are the logistics that the listeners love to hear about. There's no doubt about it. Well, listen, I don't know if we want to do this right away, like because there are there's been a lot of buzz surrounding a a fan adjacent event from Friday. I don't know. Do we want to start there? Or do we, we probably want should to start do it now because I can tell you that Boomer will have zero interest in okay. talking about Cause I, it. You know, there ended up being after a weekend of like no sports, there's maybe a bombshell report on Sunday night, how much you believe it. But on Friday, you and I were actually. Wait a second. What was this maybe bombshell report Sunday night? What did I miss last did you night? you not read the show sheet I sent you? I did not yet. No. Do you, were you not on Twitter? I mean, I saw this right before I went to bed. What was and it? And I thought, oh, okay. Maybe. Well, yeah, I did. The, I that the Mets are expected to trade Pete Alonso in the offseason. I did not. I mean, no. did you not hear C-Mac talking about I, it on the overnight? I've been busy, you know, getting ready for our show and doing the 880 reports, and I heard him talking about Alonso. I thought that was off of the uh, Rosenthal piece from last week where they no, said he so shot USA them to the Today Brewers. and Bob Nightingale. I was at SNY last night when I left at 
whatever time it was, this I, we were not uh, aware of that. I guess oh that's, well, this geez, this was way before because I was I was asleep long before you guys were doing sports night. No, this I, was, my guess would be then they probably didn't want to broach it since it's right. speculative. I, but, yeah. yeah, and again, now how how much do you you know get lay credence to it? That's fine, but it was not you know it shifted from we'll listen to offers to he said they are expected to trade Pete Alonso hmm. in the offseason. Now I'll say right off the bat, I still don't buy that. But, of course, you know, Mets fans are in a tough way right now. So, from the ones that I know, of course, you had I text, you know, there are conversations. Mets fans are panicking. You know, Big Zoo is one of them. We'll have him with us later in the week. He's panicking. I'm sure Joe, when he finds out about it, will be handling it very well. A lot of the Mets <laughs> fans melting down. It's just, listen, I get it. As bad as the season is, the reports of the the toxic clubhouse. Yeah, there's got to be something going on here. I'm sure there is. Mets fans are at the point where they say, I don't care. You can't trade Pete Alonso. He's too good. He's too important to this team. Mets fans are almost at the point that even if they found out that the other tw- 25 guys in the clubhouse couldn't stand Pete Alonso, they'd say to those guys, too bad, get over it. Mets fans do not want to see this guy ever wearing another uniform. And, I mean, what we saw Saturday and then yesterday with Alonso getting hit on the back of the head, granted, yeah, no one's saying it was on purpose. It was a break. Yeah, it's an 86-mile-an-hour slider, but... I think at this point you saw the frustrations boil over. It's just enough is enough for him. And you heard it if on the broadcast with Ron Darling, that kind of the exasperation of, you know, I, I know it's not on purpose, it's a breaking ball, I get it's not intentional, but at some point it doesn't matter. Right. You're, and this guy, he leads the league in hit-by-pitches this year, Alonzo. He's been hit 17 times. There's never a response. Fans are sick of it, and the team has not responded, but you could tell by Pete's reaction in the moment that he is sick and tired of. Well, that's the thing. That's what's alarming to me. And I know it's not just Alonzo because as a team, they've been hit a ton over the last two years, and they've really not ever done anything about it, at least in an obvious way. And I understand Buck's not going to come out and say, oh, yeah, we're going to go drill someone tomorrow. I get that. That's not what we're talking about. But I think in in Alonzo's re- reaction in that moment, when you could, like think about it, Bryce Elder drilled him earlier in the week with a fastball basically in the ribs, and he, you know, okay, no problem, drop my bat, take my base. This seemed like it was the last straw, and you just wonder if it's all connected somehow because, yeah, I get it. The bench is kind of cleared, and guys kind of came out, but it just – there definitely seems to be some sort of disconnect there, and it's just hard – it's hard to – unless this is a situation where what we get from Alonzo publicly is the complete opposite of who he is behind – and I have no way to substantiate that or no – but it's just mind-boggling to me and head-scratching what's gone on here with his name over the course of the last few weeks since the trade deadline passed and they ultimately held on to him. Yeah, I don't understand it. And, you know, I like I get, you know, I there have been whispers for a long time that there's something wrong in this clubhouse. Maybe yeah, there that could be are different factions. just Alonzo. Right. That speaks to me that there's a bigger problem. And now, you know, it's kind of getting focused just on Pete Alonzo. And I understand where most Mets fans are coming from, where... You know, they don't care if, if there's a problem, if somebody doesn't like Pete or if a bunch of guys don't like Pete, you know, unless it's Lindor, because then you have an issue because Lindor is under contract for a very long time. And in that case, you almost say, listen, put those two guys in a room together and figure it out because Mets fans don't want to trade Pete Alonzo. I understand why. And I'm almost at the point where I say, you know what? If there are guys who, whether they don't like Alonzo or they don't like Lindor, whatever, and whatever's going on there overall, We'll probably never know. It could be a chicken or the egg situation. Um, is it the losing that brought on the toxicity, or is it the toxicity that led to the losing right. earlier in the season? We'll almost definitely never know. But if there is a problem in that clubhouse of guys who don't like Pete or don't like Lindor, find out who those guys are. I don't care how talented they may be. I don't care what commitment you have to them. And ship them the hell out. Because here's all I know about Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso is what we see every day. As quirky as Alonzo might be, these are two guys who do everything they possibly can they play. to be as productive yeah. and play 162 games every season. So if there are any guys in that clubhouse that have a problem with the guy who wants to be out there every single inning of every single game and try to improve his own game to help the team win, you know, Lindor has the natural talent. You might not see it as much with him, but we've seen with Alonzo the progress he's made as a first baseman defensively since he first came up. However quirky he might be, whatever, maybe he's not the best leader, that's fine. He doesn't have to be. The way he busts his tail, those are the guys you build around. Yeah, and the defense part, I mean, because when he first came up, it was quickly, okay, well, he's going to be a DH. And he pushed back against that. 
And I'm, look, I'm not saying he's, you know, the greatest he's not defensive Keith baseman out. Yeah, I'm not well, Don Mattingly, but sure. is he an he above hold, average first baseman? Yeah, he, he holds his own over there. And that's that's been something that he's ascended to. That wasn't the case when he first arrived here. So, yeah, I don't, you know, and you bring up the possible Lindor-Alonzo angle. There was also the Lindor-McNeil angle. Like, it's just, you had the Scherzer-Verlander thing. I mean, it just seems like there's a lot of these, you know. Little riffs. Little, yeah. Yeah. Well, Scherzer Verlander would make sense because we knew they didn't yeah, like each other back that. in their Tigers right, days. But I, I mean, if if that was so such a bad thing, and I understand money talks, right? If that was such a toxic situation for it to still be referenced all these years later and then be talked about again after both guys were traded away, what did Justin Verlander come and sign here for? Right, Outside or Matt money. Scherzer might have said something to Steve Cohen, who we knew he had a relationship right. with, hey— this guy's a real problem. That's where I tend to believe, at least from that area, it was the losing led to the problems. And they didn't have to be the best of friends in any yeah. clubhouse. Plus he's, he's 26 in, he's guys injured. are not going to be best buddies with each Verlander's other. Verlander's injured early. Right. You know, who knows how much he's around. I mean, I can't speak to that, but I'm sure that didn't exactly help matters. Scherzer's not the same pitcher. He deals with the suspension. So I think that's more the team losing led to, all right, now the whatever, they are not might not be super close. It gets blown up a little bit. I think for the most part with this Mets team. And while we'll never know, my belief from watching them every day, it's the losing that led to all this reports of the toxicity and everything else. But at the end of the day for Mets fans, again, I don't think they're going to care. You trade Pete Alonso, you better get some kind of all-time haul. This is where the risk to me versus the reward, yeah. especially if you're a big market team and you have the money, and I understand that they may be very far apart on a contract, there has to be a way they can work something out, come to some kind of arrangement. Because if you're a big market team, I'm sorry, like with the Yankees, we talked about with Aaron Judge last winter. I'm not saying Pete is the player that Aaron Judge is, but they're both stars, superstars, Prolific whatever. Power hitters, and homegrown. Undeniably, yeah. the faces of those two franchises, yes. there is an inherent value in keeping them where they already are. Even if the body breaks down, even if they decline, there is something to say that the Mets. You know, they're about to retire next year. Dow Strawberry, Doc Good, and those numbers, they don't have the history maybe and the prolific players of some other franchises. Pete Alonso is on track to, if he stays with the Mets, in two, three years, he's going to own every record that they have in the books. He's one of the very few great players that the Mets have had homegrown. I'm sorry, you can't trade him. If you do it, there's maybe a 1% chance it works out where you get two to three prospects that help you win down the road. It just, to me, you know, we saw Mookie Betts return to Fenway Park a couple days ago. And the reaction and looking back years later, a trade that we all knew at the time was idiotic from a Red Sox standpoint. Yeah, that standpoint. one never really made sense. No. I, not that Pete is that caliber of player. He's a notch below. But I think from what the Mets are, it makes as little sense. You can't trade him. Even if there's talk, whatever it is, you have to figure out a way to make it work with him. You cannot deal him to another team, and he goes on to have 40 home run seasons in another uniform, and you're left holding probably nothing. Now, you referenced the report, which, again, I I see now. I guess it was earlier in the evening. Is it just the one outlet that's uh, reporting this without yes. naming names? Yeah. No, I, and, I, and, I know, and I know you Listen, we can you, name names. I've no, called them right. out on the station I, before. Right. I don't, I don't, you already said and alluded to how, you know, I'm not sure I fully believe. I would just say... This guy has been yeah. very wrong and, before and many times. And reading the wording of some of it, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of piecing together and speculation here. So I don't want to go, you know, running for the hills just yet. Um, I mean, look, where there's smoke, there's fire. And obviously we've seen a lot of smoke coming out of the deadline and everything that went on there, the Rosenthal report. Um, there's something going on. That much is clear. I don't know exactly what it is and what the end game is going to be or what the end result's going to be. But there's just too much. There's too much now between the deadline, the leaks, the him getting hit, the no response stuff. Now you got another outlet that's basically saying that this is going to go down. So you you know you can definitely start to connect the dots a little bit. But I'm with you. I I, I find it hard to believe unless there's some sort of like you said big time return package. But I mean, I don't know, man. He's a very good player, but. Like when we enter an off season where you know Tani is a free agent, and I get he's compromised now with the arm, I just wonder. I just wonder how robust that market's actually going to be, and if they could get anything close to what the Met fan would be satisfied with, as far as a return for, like you said, arguably the face of the franchise. I think you hit on a big word there, and the fan base being satisfied. Can you get 
reasonable or equal value, fair value for Pete, maybe even better than fair value because of what the market will be for hitters? I think yes. For the fan base to be satisfied, there would have one immediately. It can never happen because you can't have that instant gratification. People are looking for no, not when you're, bringing when you're trading in, yeah. a star player away for prospects. You would have to win a World Series with those guys in the next two to three years. That's year. a lot of pressure. It, it, that's why I'm saying it is. It is almost impossible for the Mets to walk away from that deal as winners. And even if they give Alonzo a contract, maybe a little bit more than they want to pay him, and they have to worry about the body breaking down. You know, there is something to say about the ability to sell tickets next year, the ability to sell jerseys. I mean, if you trade Pete Alonzo for prospects, a lot of people, doesn't matter how good the deal is, what evaluators might uh, you know rank it as or how they grade it, you traded Pete Alonzo away, the team is not going to be very good next year. Fans don't care about the rest. Whatever Steve Cohen might think about a future plan, that could be all well and good. Maybe you could win him back if there's winning down the road. In the immediate term, it will not matter. Well, we saw Alonzo get hit again Saturday, and there was a lack of response. We had some hit batters at the Trop yesterday, and it led to uh, some drama between the Yankees and the Rays. We'll dive into that coming up next, and then certainly want to get to the football locals towards the back end of the hour here. You've got Jerry and Boomer at the top of the hour, and Flelo here doing a warm-up show on a Monday morning on The Fan. It's Flelo on the fan warm-up show. Chris Lopresti, Mike Flegelman. Fleegs will rejoin me in just a minute or two. We'll take you to the top of the hour. You got Jerry Recco in for Geo. Boomer is back, at least for the first couple of days of this week. And then uh, he will enjoy the remainder of the week off as well. Geo's off. Al Dukes is off. The great Eddie Scuzzeri on the other side of the glass. So I want to get into the Yankees situation here with Fleegs when he returns. Not so much the Yankees situation, more so what played out at Tropicana Field yesterday between the Yankees and the Rays. But um, also, I'm reading a lot of these stories about the Yankees making the thing about um, how they haven't won a series since June. They did win a series against the Royals. They swept Kansas City uh in july but other than that it's been uh bones for the buzzard situation with the yankees and slim pickens and they lost their eighth straight rubber game yesterday uh against the rays so there's tampa bay doing what they've done seemingly for most of the last few years against the yankees which is beat them win series from them and finish ahead of them in the standings and you had things get a little hairy there in the eighth inning with randy arosarena taking exception to getting drilled by uh, albert abreu and quite honestly and this isn't just because I'm sick and tired of this Yankee team this year. I don't blame Randy or Rosarena for getting a little fired up. And all the guy did really was like fake as if he was going to throw his bat. Not even fake. He started to like like he was going to spike his bat down. And I think thought better of it because he's frustrated. Doesn't feel good to get hit in the ribs or the back or the hip, wherever it was he got hit. I think it was headed for his ribs. And I think his left arm might have, you know, defended some of the blow. But it's a 3-1 pitch. Right, Yankees are in the midst of blowing this lead here, where they were actually in position to win a rubber game and win a series from the Rays. And here's the here's Albert Abreu on a three-one count. The ball's basically in the middle of the righty batter's box. It has no chance. It drills a Rosarena at ninety-five miles per hour. I mean, at some point we have to understand that not every guy is just going to drop his bat and walk to first base. It doesn't feel good, right? So, all right, he acts as if he maybe he's going to spike the bat down. He's frustrated. He's got a few words. Albert Abreu, just turn your back and walk away, dude. Who are you? What have you accomplished this year? So, like, I mean, all of a sudden now the bench is clear and they're holding it, holding each other back. Or fine, nothing really came of it. You know, and Fleegs rejoins me here, so he'll chime in in a second. And orders restored, no punches are thrown. You know, yes, network was having fun showing. You know, Luis Severino sprinting out of the dugout. Tommy Canely had come back out from the clubhouse for, I don't know if it was the first or the second, and he trips and falls. I mean, okay, great. Everyone wants to get in on the action. Go ahead. Basically, man, everyone's going to hug each other. No punches are going to be thrown. No big deal. And what does the Rosarena do? He steals second. He steals third. And then, I'm sure, is still chirping Abreu, who again, focus on throwing the ball over the plate, dude. Also, it's a, a two-run game up. at the time. Right. It's not yeah. like it's 12-4 and yeah. you Go shouldn't be stealing. Job, right. man. They're trying to t- take a two-run lead and make it three. Nothing wrong. Listen, you. I think you nailed it earlier when you said, you know, while it might not be intentional, 
We can't expect every guy to just drop the bat and walk to first. Yeah. It's not fun getting hit by these pitches. It and makes that, me think of five of them in the game yesterday. Right. And they, they showed the graphic 12 to 2. The Yankees this have year, hit 12 right? Rays this yeah. year. Rays have hit two Yankees. Yeah. You know, we saw Alonzo react in a similar way on Saturday night. He's going to chirp back at the pitcher a little bit. If they don't charge the mound, they don't throw a punch. But if you're the pitcher, if we're going to say there's no real retaliation because these pitchers are so terrible that they have no idea where the ball is going and you can't blame them for hitting guys all the time because they can't locate their pitches, then they have to be able to stand there. And if you hit a guy, and especially if you're on a team that's been hitting guys repeatedly, then you have to stand there and just eat it if the batter wants to send a few words your way. As long as he's not charging at you and about to come after you and throw a punch— if you're the pitcher, if if you stink to the point where you can't find not even just a strike zone, but you can't avoid hitting a guy, then I'm sorry. You need to just stand there and accept that the batter's not going to be very happy. A lot of them get offended when, you know, you style on a home run. Now you're getting offended because the guy doesn't like it and drilled at 95. And oh, by the way, on the pitch where Rosarena steals third, Abreu almost hit that batter. Well, that and, ball and that's was even the close. worst one too. Not the fact that he almost <laughs> hit, that he almost hit. And that you're right. There were a couple near misses yeah. in this game. Ian Hamilton the, hit right. two, almost a third, almost a third. Right, and that was my favorite. What he well, they says. also the, they had the one where they reviewed. Okay, he didn't hit him. Mm. Next pitch, here's a two run single over Glaber. And if you watch the Rays broadcast, they're killing Glaber. Like and Glaber Torres probably should have caught that one. Wow, how many times have we seen that? I mean, that's a whole other story. But you're right. You know, if if you can't locate pitches at all, you need to just stand there yeah. and accept. Let them say what they want to say. He didn't charge the mound. Right. He didn't threaten you with the bat. Like, let's calm down. I find, oh, I'm a man. I'm a pro. I got to defend my... I mean, nonsense. Please. And then on the steal, like, again, he's still... It's a right. two-run game. Yeah. This is a team that is fighting for a playoff spot. Hold the I'm, runner like, I'm sorry. You know, I know <laughs> that this is where... Some of these players need to be better, and we talk about the role that managers have to have. This is a, this is not just an Aaron Boone thing, because this is happening across the sport. This isn't me picking on Boone. At some point, you have to kind of you know, talk to your players. And th- again, this is every manager of every team. Look, at, talking to the pitchers, if you hit a guy, y- y- you can't go nuts. And I wonder, Albert Abreu, listen, neither, none of us know him, but if you saw the way Jose Siri reacted, and he charges out of the dugout, and the broadcasts think that they're, he's about to run up on Abreu's blindside and sunker punch him <laughs> and knock him out. And he had a clear line. Like, he would have been able to obliterate well, Albert Abreu. If that it happened, turns out, he'd kill Jose Siri. Right. Well, he says after the fact, he's a really close friend of Albert Abreu, and he ran out to calm him down. So oh. I wonder if he knows, and hey, maybe Albert, uh, he's a little bit of a hothead. I'm sorry. So I'm going to run can't. in and intervene before this uh, gets out of hand. But, you know, it, it, I, I get why also the Yankee fans are ticked off. Because like you said, in a meaningless season, Yankee fans are maybe more ticked off at their own play. Like, be better, throw a strike, get it out, instead of worrying about chirping back at Randy or Rosarena when he's on first, when he's walking to first, when he's on third base. I get why the Yankees fans are ticked off. You get why the players are ticked off. They, you know, it's late, it's the dog days of summer. There's just there's a lot of emotions flying around. And then, and, then I, and then you got Ian Hamilton after the game. You know, he vomits on himself on the mound, basically. He takes the loss, charged with four runs, hit two guys almost a third, and there he is hitting you with the, well, if they want to come over here, meaning the Rays, they can come over here. And he's like, I wish we had another game with them. Bro, the game was Sunday. You right. had the, the lead. You're still in the game. It was the rubber right. game. You lost. That was the game. Right. There are Carl, no more games. Carlos Rodon, your that big prize. was the game. Right, your big prize free agent. He melts down the best bullpen in baseball that the you know the manager and the just still want to tell you is so great. You're part of it, Ian Hamilton. You guys are melting down. You can't throw a strike. It's. It, it, I get why Yankee fans are so tired of this team and embarrassed by them. And then you have Brandon Lau after the game. Oh say, yeah. I mean, that's, on top. I mean, that's like the, like a, just a smackdown afterwards. Talk about kicking Sums guys up when where they're we down. Are. Brandon you know, Lau can, and then they're, they're a last place team. And you can't argue with what he right. said. He's right. They're a last place team. We're fighting for something. We have more important things to focus on. Yeah. I mean, can't if you're be, the Yankees, worried about you don't want to hear that from anybody. You don't want to hear that from the Boston Red Sox, a team that's won multiple World Series. You don't want to hear that from the small market, second home stadium for you guys. Used to be a laughing stock, Tampa Bay Rays. I get why. And I was always somebody who mocked Yankees fans. Oh, you've never seen a bad season, especially if you're around my age. You've never seen a bad season. Now which we have. <laughs> up until now is, has been true. Yeah. You have no idea what it's like to watch a really awful baseball team. This group is still not going to lose 90 games. So Yankee fans haven't seen that kind of Awful mm, season, over 162 now. for a long time. <laughs> but starting around the beginning of July, this has been one of the worst teams in baseball. This is two full months where they have 
been just awful in almost every aspect. And I always said, like, you know, I would I would never feel bad for the Yankees fans when we got here. And I'll be honest, I don't. I'm kind of enjoying it a little bit. Hmm. But I understand where I would said you play off so many years, you can't want to completely abandon ship after one bad year. I get why they want to purge because what they're watching right now for the standard of the New York Yankees is beyond unacceptable. Look, and and I understand why you'd say one bad year, but if you look deeper, it's more than that. And I and if, they went to the ALCS last year. I understand, but if you watch the series against Cleveland and you watch the series against Houston, or you've tracked this group and this core since set 2017, and watch what direction they've headed in. It hasn't been obvious if you just look at the regular season win totals, the playoff appearances, some of the guys and the individual performances certainly judged last year. But as a group, collectively, as an organization, the philosophies that they're putting in play, the strategies, the approaches, the lack of accountability at times, at least publicly, I can't speak for what goes on behind closed doors. And if you read The Athletic had a piece, I think it was Friday or Saturday, about Boone, a lot of the players coming to his defense and talking about all that he does behind the scenes and the team meetings and he's fiery and he's this and he's that, but it's, it has been trending in the wrong direction for a while. And it feels like the rest of the league and the Rays being almost at the very top of the list. When you consider the restrictions that they have as far from a financial standpoint, teams are just blown by them and they have no answer for it. And okay, we're going to bring a couple young guys up again from this farm system where it seems like this is the philosophy. This is the approach that's being taught. And Oswald Peraza is not hitting. Everson Pereira is not hitting. Anthony Volpe's had his struggles. I mean, they have guys that when they come up, these young guys, I mean, they, they can't, Esteban Florial, and the little bit that he was up here, can't buy a hit. I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, the biggest reason the Yankees are in the spot, and you're right, this is the one really bad year, but it's been a series of decisions, if not from 2017 on. I think it. I think the Girardi to Boone decision was a really bad one, but this team got back to the LCS in 2019, was two games away from the But they've never the come Series. as close as they did in 17. Even if you're going to say 17, 18, 19, they made okay decisions, from 2019 on, the end of that season to now, it's been a lot of bad decisions yeah. that have led to this moment where now it is this one bad season. A lot of this, maybe a good chunk was unpredictable, but a lot of this was something that many of the fans saw coming because they didn't like the moves right. as they were being made. And yeah, you're right about the young guess. guys. This, we're told, well, this new generation of young guys might be here to save the Yankees. Well, hold on a second. The biggest reason the Yankees are in this spot is because the baby bombers outside of Aaron Judge turned into a colossal Fizzled failure yeah. as a group. And it's the same guys, same GM, same manager, same farm people that brought all those guys through the system, why should a fan expect any different result when they just watched how this last time transpired over the last five to six years? Why would they expect you can do any better with this next group when from whatever everything we're hearing, you're approaching it all the same exact way as an organization? So if it failed and you're doing things the same way, why should anybody in their right mind believe you'll have better results this time. And just think about these last few weeks for this organization, the history, the success, the reputation. They basically got caught at the trade deadline not knowing which way to go, right? Nothing gets done outside of Keenan Middleton, which essentially doesn't even count. And Cashman, granted, almost out of the side of his mouth, gives you the, well, we're in it to win it. You know, hey, Rodon, uh, Cortez and Loisig are coming. I think we all knew when we heard that he didn't really believe it. And less than a month later, the same GM is out there into a microphone before the season's over, before they're mathematically before eliminated, before August is over, saying this season has been a disaster. How the mighty have fallen. And how, not just how the mighty have fallen, but like how they've fallen in a month, month and a half, two months at the most. At the beginning of July, as up and down as this season has been, we all expected. You know, remember they got off to that nice winning streak. They beat the first the Orioles in the first two games right. on the 4th of July and week. And blew those last two games. This team yeah. is still going to be a playoff team. They're not going to win the division, but nobody at the time thought right. this Judge team was Judge is coming back. Right. Judge gets back. You'll see. Nope. And they have fallen completely off the face of the— I mean, that one twelve and 3 in 16 series, the awful teams don't go through stretches like that. The Oakland A's, Kansas City Royals. Right. The Nationals are winning games right like now. That. Yeah. That, that's Mets-esque for June. Even the Mets, as bad as they've been, they don't do that for two months. They do that for a month. For any team to have a two-month stretch like that is embarrassing. For the Yankees to pull that off, the New York Yankees, especially the New York Yankees that you and I have grown up watching, it's incomprehensible. 
not our, how would we say it, since it's our error. I guess this is not uh, Wama Dad now. So my kids could say, this is not my father's Yankees. Right? right. It used to be not, I would say it about my dad or an older brother or an uncle or something. That's where we are now. That's how old we are. That's disappointing. That's what, listen, I never thought I'd see the day. And I like I know Eddie Scazzarian there. I know how happy he is. I oh, know how much the Yankees. he loves. Yeah. I know he, the fir- one of the first things he says to me upon returning from Iceland was how great it was to wake up pretty much every day of that trip to news of the Yankees loss. loss. I loss. Ne- and he's seen it before. I've never seen it before. So to me, the thought that the Yankees could ever be bad or have a losing season, I couldn't put in any kind of context. There was no frame of reference. I've never seen the Yankees be bad. So for me, I still feel like I'm playing catch up because like. Wow, I've seen this happen to all these other organizations. Yeah. It's never happened to the Yankees before since I've been alive. You guys are going to get Y.E. Day as early as you have in how many years do we think? I mean, they've had some years where they've missed the playoffs, but this is probably going back to the, what we've talked, we've referenced 92. the 92 season. Yeah, yeah but the um, the third wild card changes it because, like, mathematically, yeah, but it'll extend it. But the but not by that much. The, There's eleven games out of that third yeah, spot, so middle of September. Yeah. I understand your point, Eddie, but that's how bad and how yeah, far that's how bad it are. is. It yeah. could be mid September. Yeah, so it could be before the second NFL week. Speaking of the NFL, we did get Jets Giants over the weekend. Probably not too much to take out of it when you consider the Giants didn't really play anybody. But I want to get Fleeg's thoughts on a little bit of a a glimpse you got of Aaron Rodgers. We talk about the offensive line situation, the running backs, as he alluded to at the, off the top of the show. Two weeks from the jet opener, Giants inside two weeks. Thank God the football teams are here to save us from this miserable, awful baseball season. We'll dive into that on the other side. Fleelo on the fan, getting you started on a Monday morning. Jerry and Boomer coming up at the top of the hour. Monday morning, Fleelo on the fan for another 15 minutes or so. You got Boomer and Jerry coming up top of the hour to get your work week started if you're even working this week. A lot of people on vacation, of course. Final weekend of summer unofficially, but we all know post-Labor Day is basically we get Memorial Day to Labor Day. That's pretty much as it stands. So um, I was going to do some... Oh, Eddie, we're up there. What was that? Jeez. No, I'm kidding. Quick fade. Yeah, how was it? <laughs> <laughs> that was that the was stop a, button. Right I think mean, that might have been a, an Eddie's going to the bathroom this segment. Oh, okay, there you go. Very good. All right. Very good, sir. Um, yeah, so I want to do a little football, but um, I know you're itching to talk uh, Jastrzemski wedding from Friday night out there on Long Island. I mean, I would say this, you know, someone who's McMonagle was asking me this morning, you know, anything notable, anyone kind of get out of line? And I was like, no, not really. I thought everyone handled themselves pretty well. I mean, it was a beautiful wedding. The place was gorgeous. Cocktail hour was chock full of all different cuisines. I thought the band was outstanding. I mean, it yes, was really... man down. And I think I knew they were going to be great because JJ, I went out with JJ and Kate oh, and so my wife last month. Preview. We saw them down the okay. Jersey Shore. So right. I knew they were going to be good, but they were, you know, just as fantastic as they were back in early July. Blown Tremendous away. wedding across the board. The yeah, food, I, everything. Nothing was... I could even say that's controversial. I mean, no, outside I, of Beningo I, wearing people white. Who maybe had, <laughs> which, I mean, online, I saw it and I clocked it. And I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. It's Joe, I just, yeah. I also thought like the, you know, not wearing white. I'd never seen a man wear. I've always thought that was like for other oh, wh- women. You yeah, can't you're probably your right about that. White. But when you're, it does stand out. And, and I'll say this, having nothing to do with the bride or that rule about weddings, Joe Definitely pulled it off. I thought he looked fabulous. Well, I said it to him. I was like, I love the old. I, it yeah. looks great. And he did look great. And then it didn't hit me until social media when the picture oh, posted were, of all yeah, of us. People were annoyed. I'm getting yeah. a notification every three minutes of somebody crushing Joe for wearing all white at the wedding. I'm like, yeah, I thought it looked really good. And it wasn't even a suit. It was white slacks. He found the, the blazer separate. And then he got these brand spanking. I think they were Vans. These white sneakers that I'm telling you did not have a mark on them like they were like brand new out a of the box new, unto- yeah. like but not even a scuff nothing like perfect and yeah he he rocked it no he looked tremendous and nobody definitely from the fan end nobody out of line nobody had too much to drink no. we were all still all not all but most especially the younger fan guys we were all there till pretty close to the very pill, end i know i was at post. the end of the after party yeah. and pretty much everyone was there up until like those last 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I was looking for the shuttle back to the hotel, which um, we ended up avoiding. We got a ride with the great James Ward, formerly of uh, WFN, CBS Sports Radio, now an SNY guy. He had rented a car 
nice enough to drive my, myself and my wife back to the hotel just a few minutes away. But, um, yeah, I mean, the cigars were lit uh, outside for the after party, and all, all was well. A lot of laughs, a lot of good times. I mean, really not a bad no, thing I can say about Everybody it. had an outstanding night. I know JJ and Kate, I talked to him afterwards. They had the night oh, that you sure. would hope it would live up to all their expectations. Everybody just had a great time at the wedding. I mean, both of their parents rocked it. I mean, Walt... Kate's dad yep. uh, in the in the top hat. He looked absolutely outstanding. Speeches were good. There were a lot right. of them, but both they speeches, were good. speeches. <laughs> JJ's dad, Kate's dad. They both if, knocked it out of the park. If I had to nitpick one thing, now we we were the table I was at was in um in the corner, basically adjacent to the band. Now they had, and then like, I was between you guys right. in the corner. It was and a the large band. wedding. They had like over three hundred people to the point where the room they really had to get creative with some of the uh, table placements. But what I was going to say is. The centerpieces, while massive and impressive and gorgeous and all, were so big that sitting in the corner, like I couldn't even see the people across the table from me, no less the what was going on out on the dance floor with speeches or father-daughter dance or, you know, mother and son dance. Had to stand up and move to the side. So the centerpieces, uh, while they were impressive, were it was a bit of it. It was almost like uh, buying an obstructed view seat to see a baseball game. No, they were big and they were glass. So I, the person directly across from me was the great Russell Mathis, who of course did the overnights for great like nine, ten years before yes. I did. So every time I'm looking through it, Russell, and at first, of course, I don't recognize him because he doesn't have a hat on. And every single day I worked with him <laughs> right. here for all those years, Bulls hat, he wore Cowboys a hat, Cowboys hat, Cowboys hat. Mets yeah. hat sometimes. Yep. So and and a lot of people on you got this on Twitter. I'm sure you saw. People thought he was Sal because they both have yeah. like the similar. But now I didn't really. See I don't that. think that. But no. when I'm looking at the picture, if you know what Sal's looking like, and you're, you know, if you're just kind of skimming the picture, I get why people can think that. But as I'm looking at him through the centerpieces, it's glass. It looks like he has three heads. But I made sure I got to my table early on. I took the one, the seat, like kind of against the wall, so I wasn't one looking at the wall. And then I'm looking out into everybody else, so I can see the band. The dance floor. I had a got myself a good view of everything. But you're right. The, the centerpiece is beautiful. <laughs> But they were very, very large. They were. Roman behind above. Yeah, it's pretty much. What well, happened. and listen, I don't, we do we do we uh we didn't roll on the audio for uh, JJ's end of the night speech, no, right? No, I have. I did video it, but the problem was, <laughs> the problem was we were laughing so hard right. over top of it that you really just hear our laughter. But yeah, he did. He did grab the mic at the very end as the band was signing off, impromptu. No, you know, nothing prepared, no notes, and it was uh there was an abrupt end. It and was it, a typical was JJ, Francesa and it's funny because I had been waiting. I was at the ceremony, so at the church, we start, we're we starting a little bit late. JJ walks in first to the bridal party to arrive and walk in, and I was with Rosenberg wondering, you know, is JJ about to address the crowd because it seemed like a JJ thing to do. At the Greek Orthodox Church. <laughs> he doesn't. We get, you know, the whole ceremony. It's beautiful. At the end of the wedding, he grabs the mic to say, you know, how tremendous the band was, and he's right, and then he thanks everybody, and then just an abrupt, I love you. Goodbye. Yeah. Which all the fan guys were all kind of on one side together. You're there. Marash is there. Lou Gower's there. Yep. Rascona was like two people, like people linked away. He comes over to us. We all looked at each other at the, I love you. Goodbye. Yeah. And all of our wives are kind of taken aback. Like why fact. did all of them just gasp and laugh and smile at the same time? Because we all thought of Mike's first farewell <laughs> at the end of that show. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. It was. It, it, it just, sounded just it, like and that. And it clicked like a snap for all of us. We all had the same first thought. You have, yeah, have a good time. Bye. Right. Have a good time. It bye. was essentially, yeah. Instead of have a good time, it was a thank you. I love you. Yeah. Right. Bye. Yeah. And you had just <laughs> you had again, eight though, people who all worked here. All fun, And it shows how sick we all are that we all had yeah. the first thought. Like, oh, wow. That was Mike's goodbye. But then, I mean, most people were staying for the after party. So it wasn't even goodbye. I mean, I guess officially it was because the band was wrapping up. It was a goodbye to the older crowd. I'll tell you what. The band, man. I. Man down. They were fantastic. I've what seen them twice now. Not even like I've heard some I've heard some good wedding bands. Like I've I love the one that I had for They're my not wedding. like a traditional wedding band. They're a real band that does regular gigs. JJ just goes back with them. He went to school with them. Yeah, but what I was blown away by was how quickly they were getting in and out of these cover songs. Not well, that, like and they do that on their regular they were sets. Doing They'll like do like medleys of verse, cover songs. Chorus, yeah. move on to the next Man, song. Man, and it was seamless and they right. sounded and they, great. And it, it allows them time to cover instead, you know, instead of 50 songs, whatever in a set, they can do 100, 150 songs. I was very impressed. Fan. Very on a fan. I love you all. We have only just begun. <laughs> I feel like I should be dropping the mic right now and walking off the stage. JJ out.
Be good, everybody. <laughs> that's almost identical to what he said. That was pretty close. Yeah, that's about as close. I might. As we get. might have to get the auto for Friday. Play it again, see if it because that I, you're I mean, not again, here. Again, I have then. it on my phone. It's just I, I listen. I'll take another listen. But my first, uh, my first go around with it with checking it back, I was annoyed that. We that I laughed too hard. I, mean, I think Mirage. You can hear Mirage's laugh yeah, very we, clearly. <laughs> we both laughed right over it. We killed it. But I'm so almost in tears now hearing that fan goodbye. That's almost exactly what it sounded like very on Friday close. night, no including doubt. a naked picture of a penis <laughs> on a fat. He, he didn't We're quite say that part. <laughs> we have uh, uh, Antenna Kumpo in there. We have uh, the Tua Tunga Vailoa. Sounds like a no. Uh, no. <laughs> Oh, boy. I'm sure we'll hear some of that throughout. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I think this was our chance to talk about it. So we got that out of our system. Uh, I teased Jets. We didn't get to it. We did JJ instead. We'll have like a minute when we come back. Great. So let's get to the the Amy Lawrence Odyssey Sports Minute. And then with whatever time we have left, we'll do a little Jets-Giants talk. And then you got Boomer and Jerry coming up at the top of the hour here on a Monday morning on The Fan. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry. The superheroes of WFAN. Hi, Fleeks. You got like a minute or so, so I'll give you Aaron Rodgers, Dwayne Brown, Makai Becton, or the running back group. Give me a thought on one of those. Well, just Aaron Rodgers. I, I mean, yes, it was his Jets debut. All fans were excited to see it. But right off the bat, when Aaron Rodgers shows you in that first play, the quick pass to the wide receiver, single coverage at the line of scrimmage, Garrett Wilson makes the move. It's such a simple play, simple concept. Teams have been doing it forever. The Jets haven't been able to do that since I've been watching football for the most part. Like, that was a play Zach Wilson could not complete. So just the fact that they have somebody now who can do that, again, it's a simple play. The Jets can now convert on it. And then the touchdown pass to Garrett Wilson. When were you born? 91. 93, we did some things like that. (laughs) Well, that I saw. So maybe you did. (laughs) I'm sure you did. I was not really watching football back in those days. The first Jets quarterback I remember is Vinny. So, again, I'm sure the Jets have had – they've had some decent quarterbacks, but I'm thinking back to last year with Zach Wilson when he could not complete that pass. And Aaron Rodgers did a thing of beauty and then the touchdown pass to Garrett Wilson. You hear afterwards – they check out of a run play because Connor McGovern saw something. McGovern, a guy that Jets fans love to pile on, he recognizes something. They change the play, and then Aaron Rodgers makes a throw that not very many people living can make. Basically, could have couldn't have walked it out there to him any better, right? Oh, Boomer doesn't like that. It's not that impressed. Gets the giant backups. There goes my open. Listen, I, I don't even care. It's the backups. It's a perfect throw. Who cares who's oh on the field? All right. Well, hopefully there'll be a lot more of them on the way here, beginning in about two weeks or so. So Dwayne Brown will get back on the practice field. Becton's your right tackle. I'll give you that. Good for Makai Becton. Yeah. Guy he, seems to have worked hard to get he this. He did what they asked him to do, and Rogers spoke glowingly of him after uh, Saul made that announcement, so that's all good. And I'm curious to see this running back group, right? Because Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook really haven't gotten any reps as far as game reps go. Um, WFAN-FM. WFAN-FM HD1 New York. Always live on the free Odyssey app.